Alright. Okay. Um, I think the, I was just going, just now I was just going through some news which I thought uh, uh, are interesting or the past few, the past couple of weeks I was looking for news that I thought may be interesting. Uh, mm. Also, just probably just want to keep this session short and sweet because uh, it's quite late and also I think uh, you may have a long day tomorrow so I expect, <laughs> so I anticipate. Okay. So, but but what caught my eye is the I'm not sure whether you've come across the Olympic Council uh, was talking mm-hmm. about was talking about. Um, uh, wait, let me just pull up the news. Wait, uh, talking about focusing on virtual sports. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, you saw that? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I read partially about that uh, just a few weeks back as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just, um, I think it was last week's news. So I'm reading, I'm reading from the, from eSports Observer. Mm-hmm. It says uh, the International Olympic Committee uh, has mm-hmm. released uh, a 2020 plus five agenda uh, detailing a list of recommendations for their continued efforts to evolve the ever-changing a digital global culture and one of the recommendations is to encourage the development of virtual sports and further engage with video gaming communities uh, and then it goes on to say that the committee has made it clear it's focused on virtual sports as opposed to competitive gaming uh, and that the International Olympic Committee will aid in the development of virtual or simulated versions of established sports. What 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 do you think of what do you think of this? Uh, like this kind of agenda. Do you think that um, the IOC here they are they they are trying to recognize the uh, gaming sector and then and then they are trying to uh, I suppose um, get in touch with the younger audience. By by doing this move, what do you think? In in my opinion, I think it's a it's, it's trying to acknowledge, as you said rightly, it's trying to acknowledge games as a concept or as an extension of virtual uh, as an extension of sports by incorporating traditional sports. Um, yeah, but it, it still bears the question, you know, when we talk about esports divert a little bit. When we talk about esports, we talk about the video games like side yeah. of things. We don't yeah. talk about much about traditional sports that have mm. been converted into games. Mm. They do exist. I think Wii was very popular with that. I think mm. even up until PS4, I remember, I think on, on YouTube, you know, you have the streamers playing the London 2012 mm-hmm. game that they mm-hmm. just, you know, keep playing, trying to get all gold medals. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it really begs the question on like, what does the IOC actually look in the virtual sports like um, what sports fall under that category and how would you execute that I think unless we get further information you know it's very difficult to see I mean everybody talks about their gold star or three star rating in Mario sports yeah yeah. uh, on Wii so I think I think I think I think they're trying to distinct uh, two kinds of video games the first is uh, virtual sports, which it, uh, there are some, some examples they show here, like NBA 2K, Madden, I think it's uh, football, and I think FIFA would fall under FIFA would fall under virtual sports. And I think just trying to extend the definition of virtual sports, I think, like, you know, you know that stationary bicycle, where you, where you just pedal and then uh, you know, on TV, I mean, on the screen, you're 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 moving. You know, like, like you're just like a cyclist, but stationary. I think those may fall under the definition of virtual sports as well. Uh, what they are trying to do here is they're trying to recognize those kind of sports as opposed to games like League of Legends, things like uh, Call of Duty, uh, Dota, and Counter Strike. Um. What do you think? Do you think that you do you think that this kind of move, if let's say these virtual sports are recognized as a medal sport uh, in the Olympics 
do you think this would be beneficial to the gaming society as a whole? Maybe it's a step, but uh, it's a step in recognizing video games. But like I said, you know, to what extent are you defining a simulation game? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me put it back to you. You know, you've been asking a lot of questions to me, so have to give you <laughs> give you put you in a tough spot a bit as well. Um, you know, let's talk about FIFA for example, right? Okay. You know, they say under their categorization, sports simulation, FIFA is a form of sports simulation. Do you think that the IOC, by taking this position, would jeopardize the competitive scene in a certain way? Meaning that, you know, how players used to play for teams, mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. there's this element of, even as a very limited scope of competitive players in the FIFA, not limited, let me mm-hmm. rephrase the question, a very, the number of professionals under the category of FIFA does not transcend anymore to playing for teams and all that kind of things. Like, for example, I give you a simple example. Fnatic only has maybe two professional FIFA players, mm-hmm, right? But mm-hmm. globally, there's so many other people who play FIFA. Yeah. Would that jeopardize the global competitivity if the IOC takes, tries to incorporate things like uh, FIFA, especially mostly FIFA, because yeah. and Madden and NBA 2K are more, uh, I would say more, based in the West and even then it's more America and Canada mm. more than the rest of the world but even then mm-hmm. what is your view on that position? Okay, I think my my first and foremost view I think I've I've made it quite known is that I don't think esports need uh, the Olympics first and foremost I don't think they, they ever need to um, uh, be part of the Olympics <laughs> even though maybe the IOS is perhaps perhaps it's IOS the Olympics needs esports even more than the other way around. And the reason being that the gaming community are younger audience and I think the Olympics um, audiences are probably not so young anymore as compared to the esports community. So to stay relevant, I think that's what the Olympic councils our committee are trying to do, to try to stay relevant to the digital uh, culture, right? To try to include gaming into Olympic so that perhaps younger people would would uh, uh, watch, um, and then and then you 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 brought up an interesting point of um, um, who are to represent in Olympics. I think uh, it could go. I, I suppose it can go either way. Either uh, esports team feel they are players to compete in the Olympic, but I think more more likely than not, uh, there there will be. Uh, players representing the country, the respective country, to play in Olympic, uh, in the FIFA or NBA 2K or or any or the, all those other sports, and and if that is the case, right? If more, if the people are are, are representing their country, and uh, if let's say the country thinks that they actually stand a chance to win a medal in the Olympics, uh, from gaming, uh. I think it will be a very good thing for the country. You you see from uh, sorry, uh, you, okay, you see from you see from Malaysia's perspective, right? Our best chance, our best bet is uh, badminton, right? And because of that, our facilities in uh, Malaysia, in term for for badminton training, I believe they are top top notch, uh, top uh, world class facilities, right? So that Malaysia has stands. A better chance to to get some form get get a medal lah, right? If let's say uh, virtual sports is one of the uh, medal that we can actually realistically win, then I believe Malaysia would invest a lot more money into developing the uh, players, and there will be a, a domino effect in that sense all the other facilities to try to recognize gaming, uh, 5G coming coming in soon, and uh, video gaming and computer facilities, uh, computer facilities would, would be um, would be invested more by the government. So I think it, it, it could be a good thing. I, I do hear a lot of uh, um, mm, mm, feedback from a lot of people saying that why 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 do we need esports to be in the Olympic? Uh, 
and and I see their point lah because I suppose I suppose um they really they're really at a point where they 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 say that esports really don't need Olympics. But if they if 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 virtual sports being in Olympics and in a way able to drive uh, uh more investments by the and recognition by the government by the respective government of uh, whatever country, then I think it's only a good thing, right? So, but but you were saying. Yeah. I think- No, no. Uh, just, just. I agree with you on a lot of points. It's exactly like you said. You know, like how uh, for a country like Malaysia, you know, having that scene available is definitely you know an interesting point to have another chance to win a medal. Is like how uh, our own very own Malaysian uh, in the Sea Games, uh, Doctor Yu Wang King, who won the first Sea exactly. Games esports yeah. under Hearthstone in Southeast Asia. South exactly, so, exactly. You know, shout out to Doctor Yu. Uh, yeah. You know. Congratulations! Although we are a bit late on the congratulations, but you know it's still the first uh, gold Sea Games yeah. esports uh, yeah. win. So you know it's definitely something to look excited for. Uh, but here's another question for you. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so this is just very general question. Who is what? Who do you think is the main publisher for simulation games, or at least simulation sport games? Main publisher. Or at least, uh, well, let's just say, let's use the three that they've given. You know, Madden, mm-hmm. NBA 2K, and FIFA. Who is the publisher for all three of them? EA, right? Is it? It's EA. Exactly, exactly that. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that this, um, well, as a gaming industry or as the games industry as a whole, you know, they are the these three games are the most popular simulation games mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. ranking and depending on where you are. You. Do you think EA is uh, will take make use of this massive advantage, right? And and kind of I don't want to say monetize it, but realistically monetize it because effectively you're putting a game that's already relatively popular among gamers to this level of an Olympic status, winning a gold medal in FIFA, right? Wouldn't you, don't you think that there is a sense of you know competitive integrity in this aspect now? the main publisher for all considering all potential Olympic simulation games will be EA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry, it's was... not... And, and the game... And the game itself, when you think about it, games itself are not... They're always patches. They're always new updates, right? Yeah. As we, we play games, there are new updates. Do you think that there is a... Uh, that EA being the sole developer for all these kind of games, uh, would there be a risk of things... Of people... Of allegations, mainly, of... Fixing of oh. patching of issues. Oh, I mean, when you talk about when you talk about you know traditional sports, you have a referee, right? You have a referee, and if you are a common FIFA player, you will always hear FIFA players complain. Just go onto YouTube and just search any FIFA player. You hear ref. That's a, not a foul. Why is that this? Are these issues going to play a role in affecting the competitive integrity during uh, during? Like I see on that perspective. Okay, okay. I think number one, I think if if games like FIFA, uh, or sorry, if any games that are published on uh, uh, sorry, any game that can be played in the Olympics, I think um, it would be beneficial to the publisher. Uh, reason being that when more people, when more viewerships, uh, uh. Uh, 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 watching the games uh, online, then there's just more recognition, and then parents would know that hey, actually this is a medal sport. Maybe my kid may be good at it. Maybe we can invest some time, and then uh, it's those kind of stigma that can be taken away, lah. I think once and for all, right? So, and from that, then again, there's the there's the again the domino effect of probably more people will start playing FIFA. And that can only be a good thing to the publisher, right? It's a win-win for the publisher, for having more players playing in the server, and it's a win for Olympics for having a a different community watching, uh, Olympic, right? Uh, so uh, I think I think you did you do you do raise a good good point of the competitive integrity of, uh, perhaps, uh, maybe there's behind the scenes maybe some players will have would be uh. Would will have some connections with EA. Is that that that's your point, right? Is it? Uh, if I if I'm read, 
exactly. I think it's more of well, not entire, again. Not it's not entirely blaming developers or not entirely blaming players, but rather that glitches and things continue to happen, mm-hmm. regardless of whether the game is finished. Now, uh, I think he has a bad rap in the sense that you know you have always have back to back people complaining as YouTubers being one of the first few. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, hey, there's a glitch here. There's a glitch yeah. there. This is not working right. Yeah. You know, you buff this player, you buff that player. Now, in a in a in what we traditionally call esports, when there are leagues or when there are tournaments, that is regulated by, um, in a sense that week to week there are certain updates that look. Yes, we are informing you that this update is coming up, and this is what the update is going to be. Mm-hmm, like. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or for for an event like uh, Olympics, you know, these kind of things has to be in place, and the only people that has like has these kind of things is somebody who is well versed with the industry. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. With, it, with that in mind, you know, would issues like bugs or, or all of a sudden there is a glitch within the system? What if? Uh, how would how would that kind of reflect back uh, on the players? Or would that affect yeah. the competitive integrity in the sense that somebody should have won, but because of this glitch that was not resolved during Olympics, that could be an issue. I give you an example. I think. Uh, two weeks ago in the League of Legends again, sorry, that's just my go-to line. <laughs> uh, in League of Legends, uh, one of the weeks it was uh, it was a game in the European scene. It was a game that Fnatic was playing against. I couldn't remember the opponent at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened was there was a glitch in the system, and then uh, they stopped the whole game. They paused the whole game, and they tried to reverse the game back so that players could revert before the glitch happened. Now that ended up being an almost a forty-five minutes to an hour-long intermission break while parties tried to fix everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they said, "Look, okay, this is what's going to happen. We are going to cancel this game, and they're going to replay at the end of the day." Mm-hmm. Now replay again, right? Start again, right? Happen, you know? Okay, yeah, they have to replay the whole game again, start from okay. the start, and and even uh, under rules books and things like that, you know. Under this kind of leagues, there are specific rules. If this happens at this time, where do you bring the game back? Where do you start the game again? Can you change elements of the game? So when when you bring things like games that may potentially be buggy or may potentially have glitches, uh, it really questions how the IOC is going to adapt to this kind of thing. They have not dealt with it. They don't have the, the league system that what we we are exposed to. So it really questions the competitive integrity in that sense that whether there is suitable resources available to assist situations like this. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Um, so I think if 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 this ever happened, I think games are the one that can can bring the parties back to um, its its most fair position. Uh, as compared to other sports, so so uh, for example, if let's say for football, right? If someone has, if if the game has been going on for sixty minutes, and then there's half an hour more, but let's say uh, for whatever reasons the, it was raining too heavily, they cannot play anymore, right? Then they have to to can to have to postpone the game, and what do you do there? Um, the players have to come back the next day to to play maybe the last thirty minutes. Maybe that's what they'll decide. Okay, because 60 minutes have been played, then they come back the next day to play the final 30 minutes. Or they, or they can say that, okay, the first game is null and void. Everybody, uh, the players come and play the game again uh, the next day. For games, right, I think actually we should have the, the necessary technology to... To, to have the players continue the game just right before the glitch happened. Right? At, I, I know probably as developers, maybe they, they, they will have some difficulties in, in, in uh, making that happen. Uh, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that if uh, of all the sports they are playing in the Olympic, including these virtual sports, um, I think games are the one that can be... Uh, games are the one that... that uh, um, can make it um, can help the players to be in the I, same position as uh, as just right before the glitch. Then they can continue playing um, like that, lah. But I but I do I do know that even for Dota, there are several uh, 
uh, issues before with this. And and there are some games that have been played like many uh, half an hour, 60 minutes. And when there are certain issues, then they cannot continue. Then the next day, then they, 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 they play again. They replay again um, among, uh, between each other. So uh, there are still going to be these kind of problems, but I think games are the ones that can fix it lah, the best. That's that's why I think. Actually, but, yeah, you, you raise very good point. Mm, I mean, very good point in the sense that you know, if something like that happens in traditional sport, you cannot replay it. Correct. As it is, you know, but in the game context, you can. Correct. Which is unique in that sense. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So the games can be like, oh yeah, 59, 59, uh, 59 minute. Okay, let's let's you know work our magic behind the scenes. You know, our coding and stuff like that. Uh, get back the data. Put all put everybody as as if it's like minute fifty nine, and then they can continue playing. Maybe the mentality will be different. Maybe the motivation will be different. But at least the the gameplay can continue um, there and then, right? So so I think it's no problem. But I but I mean I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not a fan of like games being in Olympics. But if they want to have it, I think it's only it's only uh, good lah. Any any final thoughts? Just one last mm-hmm. question. Yeah, just one thing on this point, you know. FIFA as it in itself has a competitive team. Yes. Right? Okay. And we call it esports. Well when when the FIFA competitive team, we still call it esports. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, okay. As in, you know, right. Do you think that with the IOC moving in this direction, distinguishing between virtual sports and esports, although FIFA sits smack in the middle having a competitive scene that is still referred to as esports, mm-hmm. would this divert the gaming scene, the competitive gaming scene as a whole and separating us even further to virtual sports and then the traditional, now I'm using the word traditional for esports, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Dota? What do you think about the wow. IOC's you know, decision to distinguish that wow mm, okay okay maybe maybe i can i can turn that question around to think whether or not there are um if, even if there are distinct there are uh differences whether there are any negative impact on the esports scene as a whole i don't think so because you they can distinguish all they want um fifa being a virtual sport or um, cycling Virtual cycling being a virtual sport, uh, NBA 2K being a virtual sport. Uh, as take it as a whole, on on the esports industry in esports scene, I don't think there's any negative impact at all. Um, yeah, but anyway, I'm people are even there are even people who's finding it difficult to even define what esports is and what. What, what sort of games fall under esports, right? So that's a that is a larger question to to that that not 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 everybody can answer. So I like like for example, chess yeah. is chess and esports, right? Like yes, no, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. <laughs> as, as, of the, as of the last six months, from what I've been seeing, there is a question that chess is potentially an esport at this point, considering professional chess players. Uh, Hikaru, who yeah. signed with TSM, a gaming exactly. organization. You know, you have uh, popular streamers like Pokemon now playing chess as well. They are in fact featured on chess.com, one of the most popular chess sites. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're gonna... I think my question, yeah, my question with the virtual sports things is kind of um, when it comes to global events like Olympics, like well, Sea Games we've embraced esports in a way, but more like Olympics more like Commonwealth games and things. And I'm, I'm just more concerned in the sense, moving forward, will only virtual sports be recognized and then the traditional esports will still be left to their own devices, meaning that, you know, we have our international, we have our worlds and, and that thing. It, that's kind of where mm. this question is coming from. Not to say as a whole, the, uh, the whole esports is not going to benefit, but rather would these kind of games virtual sport games take more attention on a more public popular scene while traditional esports will remain uh, with our own devices in, in that context. Actually, I think there are some, some games that are considered esports 
uh, they are considered competitive gaming by the IOC. I think some games can actually be recognized and, oh, sorry, not recognized, can be included in the Olympics. Um, so, for example, I think games like Dota, uh, League of Legends, uh, Hearthstones, I think those potentially would be able to be included in the Olympics. Um, what I would find that is more difficult to be included are games like Counter-Strike, uh, Call of Duty, because those kind of games have, have um, not to say that Dota doesn't have an element of violence, but I think games like those, CSGO, um, I, I think the name, uh, I think if you have like counter, uh, counter-terrorists and terrorists as the characters and being displayed in the Olympic, I don't think that's the message that Olympic want to send. So I think those kind of games would not uh, would be very difficult or impossible to be played uh, in the Olympics. But um, those those are the other popular games: Dota, League, League, and those games that are actually recognized in Sea Games, right? So Dota, all this they they were played Hearthstone, they were all played in the Sea Games. Um, so I think those games they can they can be uh, introduced in the Olympics. Um, maybe not in the foreseeable foreseeable future. I think it may be introduced by when when uh, uh, generations like us grow up to be to sit in a committee of the Olympics committee uh, Olympics committee. Then then perhaps uh, there's a different uh, perception and different impression towards uh, esports games. I think I think you're absolutely right on that. You know, yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that. Uh, I mean, if card games like Bridge, the card game uh, like Bridge with deck of cards, it can be a game. One day we will yep. we will eventually see it. One day. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, there's another story that I want to, wanted to talk about um, before we ended the last session. Was that is this lah? Um, Danish esports organization North shutters. Um, okay, I'm reading Esports Insider. After four years, this Danish esports organization North has announced its closure and that the investors, that two investors, Parken Sport and Entertainment and Nordisk Film, state that as a consequence of a COVID 19 effect on the experience industry, the two partners will pull their investment from the esports team instead focus on their core businesses. Uh, I just want to have your thought on this. Do you when when I read this when I read this news, right? My first thought is that it cannot be a consequence of the COVID nineteen that that closed uh, this esports team. If anything, esports should thrive under the pandemic because things can be things can continue to run in uh, the digital scene so just want to know if you have any thoughts on uh, this is a, a huge esports team uh, and and i believe they're heavily invested also because these two these two companies they are you know fairly rich uh. so what do you think of interesting mm-hmm. Interesting you brought this up because actually just a day or two ago, I, I don't think it's not even that long. I think I read it this morning or last night mm-hmm. that um, Schalke 04, the FC Schalke 04, yep. the football team in Bundesliga, mm-hmm. as well as having a, a relatively dominant esports presence in the League of Legends and the FIFA scene, um, there is rumors, and they have confirmed that these rumors are true to a certain extent. That they are looking to sell their LEC competitive franchise. Uh, yeah, I think they call it franchise. Right? Yeah, so the, their, their position, like, their mm-hmm. slot in the LEC hmm. in the coming. Uh, it, that is a, definitely a discussion point, and that they are citing um, esports. Uh, they are citing sorry, not esports. They are citing COVID, and they are citing financial stress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a distinction needs to be made for teams that are funded by investors and teams uh, are funded by investors through other businesses and teams that have a, that have built their success through esports. 
Okay. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of then moves on to where you were saying, you know, how esports teams could not be in that position because we are allowed to run all of our games. Every single competitive esports team is operating in a certain way or form. You know, Dota is going on. Singapore, the the Singapore. Yes, it's going Singapore on. Major is happening. Yeah. So you know, it, you you you're right. And but that's where I kind of feel like the distinction needs to be made in the sense when you look at Fnatic, when you look at TSM, when you look at G two, when you look at Cloud Nine. Yes, they have other investors investing into them as individuals or as corporations, but they are when they were built from the ground up, they weren't built on the basis of investors. They were built on the basis of gaming. Then investors were brought in. You look at teams like maybe North as well. I, I'm not too familiar with North Operation, but I can see that um, both of them own 50% of the of, yeah. of, of North. Yeah, it doesn't appear it that me, yeah, it doesn't appear that it was built from ground up. Correct, exactly. So when when hit with a global pandemic situation, you know, yeah, other investments kind of take priority because esports becomes a secondary to that. So why do you I think, think that's that? How I feel about it. Why do you think that um, esports um, organizations like Cloud9, TSM, and Liquid, what what makes them um, take even this pandemic, even this time of pandemic, what makes them continue to run? And TSM even signed on Hikaru, which I don't think is going to be cheap. It, I don't think it was cheap. Um, so how, are, how, are, how are they different? As in, how are they still able to run their business? And North Esports, uh, well, you, you pointed out that they are not um, a team that is, was, brought, was uh, built from the ground up by uh, X professional players or popular streamers they were not like so 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 why do you think that those other teams are able to continue to survive as much as some may call it cringe or as much as some people may call it um, something else i actually believe that for esports the unique the uniqueness of it comes from passion it comes from Mm. fans who actually Mm. are passionate for the organization for the games and, and, and to evidence this, a um, few months ago, Fnatic did a crowdfunding. The, one of the very few uh, esports organizations that despite in the, in the midst of a pandemic, they had new investors coming in and they also did the crowdfunding, which actually garnered close to 2 million and above, uh, 2 million, I think 2 million euros and above in crowdfunding alone, crowdsource funding. Uh, you can go and look it up at invest.fnatic.com. Sorry, I, re- I, I rephrased. They raised 10 million. Uh, and they raised 10 million investors and crowdfunding to accelerate high-performance esports. And this was despite the pandemic. And, and these investors, and this crowdfunding was effectively, the premise of it was to invite fans to invest in the company and have a portion of the company to themselves. You look at Sam Matthews, uh, founder, and C- mm. uh, founder and CEO of Fnatic. Uh, mm. you, know, you look at uh, Alos Ocelot, I can't remember his last name for G2. Yeah. As much as they're businessmen and they're, they're, they're ex-pros and things like that, a lot of it is driven by passion. A lot of it is driven by their, mm. their, their love for the scene, their love for the community mm. in the mm. scene. Um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, there's always the merchandise aspect, the competitive aspect. I feel like that is kind of what helps this organization stay relevant. You look at TSM, you know, you're right, Hikaru is not cheap. On top of that, last year or two years ago, they built a whole new facility for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And they are still maintaining the facility during the pandemic. It's, it had to come from somewhere. There must be sense. And you look at Andy, Andy the, the CEO and founder of TSM, he has great passion in that as well. So it really comes to, like I said, it may sound cheesy, but I really believe that this is a very key and material point to relevance to, to them being relevant because they are not a secondary they're not a secondary thought that oh i wanted to be involved in that scene so i built an esports team but now my business is my original business is suffering i have to pull it out because i don't have a choice it's a yeah. secondary uh, source of income but for these people they are they built it when they had nothing uh, to see it now where it is it's still still in irrelevant it shows that you know that kind of passion powers through and their core business model and potentially their core business model is very different from what you know North or 
shelter as a, as a concept of a business model, maybe. But that's yeah. just my view of uh, that's just how I view the situation, like because that is how I would separate the two of them. It seems quite quite you know evident when when you see things like fanatics crowdfunding. Yeah. Ah, yeah, you raised a very good point on making that distinction, actually. I was just looking at um, looking at the website and see whether I still can uh, invest in Fnatic or not, but <laughs> I think it's been closed. <laughs> uh, so, I, I actually, I, f- I feel uh, quite strongly about um, setting up uh, an eSports team, actually, um, because I'm not sure whether you know uh, I, 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 I have an eSports team, well, uh, it's in limbo right now, but uh, is which which I can um, uh, um, I can say that it's really not easy to build an esports team from ground up. Um, I think I think there are there are certain formulas on how to build a proper legit esports team, and the few ways are number one, you're either an ex pro player who knows the scene and and you already have followers so those followers will naturally um, support your new esports organization and that's how you you gain fans or number two it would have to be based on uh, locality um, set up set up your esports team and and uh, in a way that you represent a, a certain location so, for example, like TNC, um, their Filipino team, they main their their main um, main uh, fans or community are in Philippines, and that's how they they drive their business. I think Fnatic, they are trying to uh, well, they have they have um, reach they have um, expand their community. I think they 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 started in England, they expanded their community oh. to elsewhere. I believe it was Swedish. I think they're called... Oh, Fnatic is Swedish? Oh, no, no. Uh, not Swedish per se, but um, like the CSGO scene was the one that kick-started, uh, kick if I'm not mistaken. Their, CSGO was one of their originators and that was... Uh, uh, well, and they still feel it that way in the sense that they uh, pledged a full... But Fnatic... Swedish... Uh, but Fnatic, they were... That's it. Ah, okay. They're based in London and, and, and I believe... Yeah. If I'm, were they are their CEOs also um, ex-pro players or something? Uh, Maybe. I don't, I'm not sure about Sam Matthews, the CEO that I, I know of. Uh, their chief gaming officer, uh, Patrick Khan, uh, I apologize if I pronounce his name wrong, uh, Patrick or Khan, it was a pro CSGO player. I he see, was I a see. previous pro CSGO player. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, but yeah, it was... But you're right. You're right. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, so you know, yeah, you're creating so... an esports team. You know? Sorry. What is your biggest challenge now in in the context? What's the biggest challenge you're facing now? Oh, biggest challenge. Um, for us, it's a bit different because for us, it's time. Because I, <laughs> I have I I have this uh, esports team with diff- with uh, a few of my friends, and we are all full time. Uh, uh, working elsewhere, so sometimes we don't have the time. But but funny enough, we actually we actually managed to build a really uh, good community uh, in Malaysia last year when we when we started out. Um, so but 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 I my my theory my theory uh, remains that uh, that I strongly believe in is that uh, it's very difficult for someone to support say support fanatic. Or support TSM, support Team Liquid, and the, probably the reason why they're supporting these teams is because they have um, uh, famous players playing for them, or they have they they enjoy the play style, they like they like the way some of these teams play. Mm. But what if you don't have enough funding to get these famous players to play for your team, right? So the alternative is that perhaps. You can build an esports team that is, uh, that is uh, that can resonate with the people uh, within that particular location. For example, Kuala Lumpur. Okay, I have East, I have um, I have an, a team that represents Kuala Lumpur. Oh, okay, that's that's good lah. Maybe I'll, I'll probably uh, 
slowly support that team because they represent Kuala Lumpur, right? So just just like how any other sports team operate as well, they also represent their own loca- respective location and their grassroots uh, community. And that's probably how they can garner fans and create community. Mm, so that's why I... Uh, it- that that's where I find North Esports lacking. I think I think they did have, uh, they 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 do they did try to um, to represent Danish, uh, Dan Denmark. They try to represent Denmark in the esports scene. Try to represent Copenhagen, but I think that's where they are lacking. They probably unable to trend, uh, convert the people in Copenhagen to support North and probably not garner enough uh, community. And therefore, they thought, okay, la, if we don't have enough uh, support, we might as well just close it. It's not going to be mm. Mm, detrimental to a lot of people anyway. But if, let's say you, for example, if you, let's say you close uh, 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 Manchester United Football Club, right? Everybody's going to go crazy. Like, especially those people that are in MU. They're going to go crazy. Like, like how can you close um how can you um close down a football club that's representing us that represented us yeah so that's my view and i think this covid 19 excuse is uh <laughs> is, i don't believe it one bit like, honestly so many things that you can do in um uh, online i think it's just yeah. poor management yeah. yeah i mean it's interesting you know you talk about how closing the certain team will affect the community. I think there used to be a team called Kuala Lumpur Hunters uh, yeah. <laughs> in Malaysia. Kuala Lumpur Hunters. Now we have Vajaya Dragons, which as you pointed out in our last session, there had only one Malaysian player and I believe one coach or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, I'm not sure if there was a, you know... But that's representing, that's, <laughs> that's representing the company. Well, effectively... <laughs> That's more representing the company, but you know, if you look at it on paper, Malaysia is allowed to send one team, or at least Malaysia is allowed, or at least has a slot, and that is the team that is on yeah, paper, yeah, yeah, on paper, representing Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A bit hard to swallow, like as a Malaysian. So, I, when I first heard that Bajaya Dragons was being formed, I was actually all for it. I was like, hey, actually not bad. I, I wouldn't mind supporting the team a bit here and there, just to watch a bit. Just to see, maybe we can touch lah. Go and fight against the my actual stuff. So, who do you support in in the uh, LOL scene? No, I, I I personally like Fnatic, though we have had an interesting see off season and a very interesting current season. Um, I, I like the team. I think as a whole, it's it, 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 they feel fun, they feel competitive. Why? What? What makes you like them? What makes you support them? I stumbled on them by accident, but I stumbled on them at their prime. Ah, okay. Uh, meaning that I started supporting them in the very close to 2015 when they had arguably at that time one of the best teams in the West with two ah, Korean players. Okay, okay. Uh, and they they were the first team that went 18 and 0 in a single okay. season. So 18 teams and 18 and 0 undefeated. So it was a good time to find out a team who to support and then I suck with them since then. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, talking about how you know esports teams as a whole, there was there's this uh, just kind of like an F one I kind of thing. There's this football, semi professional football uh, team or club uh, in the UK called hashtag United. I'm not bro, sure heard of it. I follow hashtag bro. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I always found that one very interesting because it was founded by exactly. a YouTuber who plays yes. FIFA. Yes, yes. he plays FIFA, but he has built a team whilst they have an esports division yes, because I know yes. they play competitive FIFA. They're also recognized to a certain extent as a football club, you know, yes. and, and they are competitive in, in their own way. So I think, you know, it works both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if, let's say, you know, Fnatic were to start up a football team tomorrow, we'll be surprised that, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise. It wouldn't be too surprising, and yet there will be followers. There will be yeah, fans. Correct, correct, uh, correct. You know, so exactly my point, right? Uh, so, yeah, so you you support Fnatic because they were at their prime at that time, just as just the same way as I I started 
supporting Manchester United when I was 10 because they were winning everything, right? And I enjoy their football. And that's why I support them, right? And until now. Um, similarly, um, in the even in the Dota scene, I follow players like Mushi, uh, uh, famous uh, Malaysian players. I support that particular player. Wherever he goes, I support that team. So I'm loyal to the player. I'm not loyal to the team. And, and the problem I, I see is because um, these teams do not represent me in, 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 in the sense that, you know, I, I, cannot, I really cannot resonate with, with some of these names, this Fnatic or this uh, TSM, Liquid. But if the Malaysian player is playing for that team, then yes, then I can resonate. Then I can support Fnatic. I can support TSM. But if not, then I just don't see a reason why I, I, I want to support those teams. And it, uh, it's funny enough you brought up hashtag United because that is the kind of um, uh, uh, direction that 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 you know I thought of, and and it is really difficult for uh, to to pull to pull out. So. So really, kudos to uh, Spencer Owen, right? The, the founder. Yeah. yeah. He, so so that that's my other theory, right? Either you 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 start a team based on location, or you have a really famous uh, professional player or 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 celebrity or influencer. You start the team, and then you convert your fans to become fans of um, that uh, this hashtag. And that's you bring up a very interesting point. You actually raise a very interesting, well, at least a very interesting question that I can pose to you uh, in the sense that what is your view? So let's say the North. Let's take, right, I, I'm not sure how North was founded, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've known, I don't think it's a team now, but there have always been teams that they've climbed up the regional tournaments, they've mm-hmm. climbed up the regional competitions. So they were semi-pros. They were just before the pro scene, right? And an organization comes in, okay, the five of you or the six of you look good together. All of you sign for me and then we go and play competitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would you, would that still equate to, you know, what I've said about, in your view, right? Would that still equate to, you know, what I said about things like fanatic, building it from the ground up? Or would that be more similar to the situations like North and, and now Schalke as well being put in a difficult spot, uh, recognizing that they are brought together, not be, they were, they are invested into rather than in investing on something, investing in these. So these are, so your so your hypothetical situation is that these are semi-professional players, and getting picked up and, by, getting picked up by and, uh, and, a rich guy. Yeah, effectively. Let's say you know, like, let's say let's go back to Asia. Asia was. Okay. Was in discussions to start on esports, but you know, the, you and your esports team, uh, you're saying that you know, it's hard to get traction, it's hard to get following. It's one of the biggest challenges. Mm. Asia comes in and says, okay, all five of you come, I buy mm. your spot, and then I'll mm. take over Bajaya. Let's go eat. of Legends because that's what I know. Mm. Let's take mm. over Bajaya Dragon's Teeth slot, and then mm-hmm. you are now Air Asia Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you are mm-hmm. representing us in, in, the, in, 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 that, in the competitive scene. What's your view of such a capable, well, not capable, but such a situation? Okay. So I think that there are only certain brands that can pull this off. So for example, um, companies like uh, Asia, I think, I think they can, they can, they can uh, uh, hire or, or not hire. They can sign these players to compete. And then what they get in return is brand recognition. Right, uh, who are the audiences or who are the target market for AirAsia? Uh, young people, uh, young people that likes to travel uh, with limited budget, and AirAsia provides that. And with that brand recognition in the LCS scene, uh, more people will know the name AirAsia, and they will use they would they would book more flights with AirAsia. But whether or not that translates to become an actual fan, like a traditional definition of a f- fan and supporter. I have my doubts. I don't think that I don't think these people would be translated to, uh, to to support Air Asia, but rather they do get the they they do get brand recognition, 
at the end of the day. I think that's perhaps what Bijaya wants to do, but I'm not sure also because because for Bijaya it's also very um how to say uh, it's very generic. What what is what is Bajaya's uh, business business model? Uh, okay, so you get brand recognition. Okay, what how how to translate that into uh, um, spending by actual like, revenue? Actual yeah, revenue, yeah. Right. So uh, I think what you pointed out is exactly what I feel um, about how North and potentially how Schalke is kind of in that position in the sense that they get the brand recognition, you get the following, you do get for the brand at the end of the day when, when, when push comes to shove, it really begs the question, are you a true fan? Correct. Not saying that Correct. no one is, but uh, there definitely will be barriers, you know, there definitely will be questions as to whether, like for example, let's say the, let's say the team, like you, you as what you mentioned earlier about Manchester United Code, if the Shelter team does the spend and somebody follows a particular player, they'll just continue supporting whichever team that player goes to, irrespective right. of whether the teams exist. Correct, correct. Right. So, and that kind of brings it back full circle to what I stated in the first place in that there are two distinct kinds of teams of esports teams. One built on passion, one built on fun, another built for the purpose of a business or penetrating a certain market. Mm-hmm. It seems that one is working more than... One is... Not saying working, but one is still relevant as mm. this time of pandemic. Yeah. Another one is finding its footing. That's it. Yeah. I think that's probably the best phrase I can use it. Yeah, I think the former they are more motivated anyway to to continue their their passion. And it's it's very interesting to 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 I, I've always been quite interested to study how Spencer does it in in converting his fans to become hashtag fans. If you notice uh, some of the videos hashtag United puts out, um, you, you really truly see fans because uh, they are a football team now, right? So you can see fans traveling to their stadium or away yeah. to watch them play. And they're not supporting Spencer Owen because he, uh, he's there or he's the he's an influencer, but they're actually supporting hashtag United, which... which the the question is the the team name itself is like it's it's so so um uh, unique. It sounds like a social media twenty. It sounds like a social media kind of Twitter kind of thing. Hashtag. Yeah. and actually that's that's Spencer's um intention. He mentioned before in one of his interviews, right? That's his intention or why he why he named it hashtag United. Born out of social media, born out of uh, uh, YouTube. Like so it's so interesting Hopefully to see his road there. Maybe 10, 15 years from now, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll be in the Premier League themselves. Uh. Oh man, that that would be the That would be the I, day. That would I, be the day. I don't know, man. That's that's some form of feat, uh, but, but it's possible. Alright. Yeah, yeah. Uh any final thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, I think so, today we had a good session. Yeah, yeah. So what, I think an we had hour a good, or so. interesting discussion on Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's about it from me as well.